Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want. Hi everyone, welcome at Wave Act. Today with Charles Atkins, who is the global lead of business development at Aptos. He's also former global VP of strategy at Landvolt, former vice president at Polygon, and also former senior partner at the F5 Consulting Group. And today, as you already might guess, we're talking about Aptos itself, the new blockchain. And yeah, well, say goodbye to slow transactions and high speed efficiency. So starting out, thanks Charles for being here. And yeah, before we actually jump into Aptos, I would like to know a little bit more about yourself your passions and what you're working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so my background, I, I started in tech a long time ago in the 90s. Actually, one of my, my first jobs was hard coding banner ads for Yahoo when I was a teenager and they didn't care how old I was. Um, but all through that time, I mean, I've just been really involved with high growth companies, digital growth, kind of on the leading edge of tech and how tech can really improve enterprise businesses. And so obviously that led me down the path of blockchain very quickly. Uh, crypto also, crypto became a little bit more difficult for major businesses, but the underlying technology of blockchain is obviously something that most businesses can utilize without any regulatory issues. So kind of stuck towards the blockchain side, uh, like you said, ended up at, at Polygon, um, Land Vault, and then now with Aptos, after doing a, a ton of research on the chains out there, I very deliberately chose to work at Aptos, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those reasons today. Awesome. Sounds very exciting. And yeah, that already brings me to the first point. Why did you choose Aptos? I think that's a great starting point here. I think, you know, one of the reasons is just seeing so many tech cycles of the past, they typically have patterns and they typically repeat themselves where an original technology will will be launched. It works really well for a little while. And then smarter people that are more engaged and working with a little bit deeper knowledge in the space come in, they build something a little bit better. Um, and then they start building it for scale. So, I mean, we saw this with internet and dial up internet and everyone, you know, that was very old school. You had an old modem and there was several modem improvements over the years so you could only you could get a phone line to go so fast and then all of a sudden high-speed internet was introduced and that changed everything now you could have video online you could do you know images would load incredibly fast um you could do streaming video up to a point and we're starting to see the same we saw that you know with smartphones there was cell technology smartphone technology and then you know the different levels of wi-fi that enabled smartphones to work a lot better and then you know 3g 4g 5g and moving forward now we're seeing that in blockchain i think you know we've seen a lot of the legacy chains that are using specific programming languages um you can scale those to a point but they're not really built for a billion users they're built for a handful of projects that are you know working on things now and that's great and it's very useful um but to really scale blockchain technology, you need a lot deeper, a lot deeper, um, you know, scaling solutions in that. And that's, that's kind of why I've chose Aptos was, you know, I've looked at a couple different chains, probably for the past six months, I narrowed it down to two, 
and I won't tell you what the other one is, but oh. people will know right away because it uses the exact same programming language as AppSauce. Um, so the move programming language, and then obviously with some elements of Rust involved as well, uh, highly scalable. And the reason I chose Aptos is the the co-founders, most of the engineering team and people that are building at scale formerly worked at Facebook, which I know a lot of people don't like. Um, but they set out from the beginning when they were building the DM chain, the Novi wallet and the Libra coin, which obviously Congress shut down. Um, they started out building that blockchain in 2019 specifically for one to two billion users. So when you already have that in your mind and then you're able to spin out and continue to build that without Facebook early, you know, being in charge of you, the, the scaling knowledge is there. Uh, the computing knowledge is there and the engineers are just brilliant. I, I always joke, I said, it's really funny that I went from being one of the smarter people in my former company to being the dumbest person that works at Aptos. Like all of these people are absolutely brilliant. So, I mean, I'm really happy to be there and it took me a lot of research to get there. That's a statement. Um, wow. Uh, well, the first thing when I hear all, the, uh, all that, right, would be when talking about high speed and uh, being a fast chain for one to two billion users, um most people and we talked about that in our previous talk uh discussion is most people still have that i would say launch issue in on top of their heads right because um the only thing or the first thing that i heard about aptos is um the solana killer right uh, i saw these memes like that actually is slower than ethereum and whatever um but well, as far as I know, these issues have been resolved, right? So uh, would you like to shed some light onto this and elaborate what actually happened there? And yeah, what's the current state? Yeah, I mean, the yeah, so originally the Block Explorer was only picking up like system transactions. So if you went on the Block Explorer, all of our internal transactions, it looked like it was five TPS. And I think people were like, wow, that's really slow. You, you guys said it was going to be in the thousands. Um, so that was unfortunate. Um, we also launched on eight exchanges at the same time within a 20 minute period. So it was just a very chaotic launch with, a, you know, on the upside, that means a lot of people were interested and a lot of people wanted to be involved with it. Um, but obviously like fixing bugs, fixing, fixing block explorer, fixing those things that quick. I mean, there was all, you know, anything on Twitter, it moves like at the speed of light. So once somebody saw that on Twitter, they started making tweets about it and then it just basically went everywhere. But I mean, all of those things are completely solved. We've just done third party testing up to 13,000 TPS without any issue. The only reason it hasn't gone higher is because we don't really have a lot of users on there doing more than 13,000 TPS. Um, and that was third party tested by one of the, I'll just say one of the top five tech companies in the US um, who we work closely with and hopefully is gonna publish um, not only you know some third party reports on that, but also what I think is gonna be special about what we're gonna do with these reports is tell the general population how to replicate that themselves. I think that's where you know, a lot of the other chains, they'll tell you their TPSs, whatever it may be, 
but they won't tell you exactly how to do that testing. We're going to put out a step-by-step -step guide. Like if you want to test it out, these are the exact steps you need to take and let people see how far they can push it. Uh, I mean, we're pretty confident on how far you can push it. So uh, we want people to be able to replicate those same results and not just take our word for it. That's great to hear. Um, well, for sure, for devs, that's great, right? Um, how do you, especially as a business development lead, right? What what's your do, do you have a plan to actually push that, let's say, message out into the public? Because, for example, I'm in Web3 and at least myself, uh, I didn't get reached, although didn't reach by that message yet. So yeah, we haven't we haven't really published a lot of that yet. I know we're going to in the next couple of weeks. We're going to do our own publication on that, and then hopefully by the end of the first quarter, that other company I was talking about is going to do their their third party publication on that as well. Um, and hopefully, people will start seeing that replicate, and they'll be able to do it themselves and and when, whenever. But I mean, even right now, like, I don't know what our block explorer is at today, but I know we just passed 75 million transactions in 10 weeks. So congrats. Um, let me see. I mean, the latest. Let's see, I'll, I'll do the live the live T. So right now, currently on our on our system, there's people doing eight TPS, which isn't that much. But because it's I mean, that's really all the transactions we have going through there are our peak in the last 30 days was 1,569 TPS. So that's typically happens when a popular um, collection is doing like an NFT drop or something like that. We can handle those, you know, 1,500, 2,000 NFT purchases per second. That's like super easy for us to do. That's cool stuff. Yeah, that's uh, definitely, especially with all these big enterprises now coming into the yeah. space, right? Uh, looking at Starbucks, uh, Reddit, and all these kind of actual, let's say, existing Web2 businesses that actually work, right? Have an existing business model um, and a huge community as well. Um, I can definitely see that coming. So I guess. Uh, yeah, ga ga gaming is where it gets really interesting, especially when you're talking like five to 10 million users who do on average like 30 to 50 transactions a day. That gets really big in-game transactions is where obviously we love that focus and then enterprise use cases like the we like the you know like the reddits the social media like actually putting social media on chain we're pretty we're pretty close to being able to handle that amount of transactions okay that that would be crazy um yeah. Well, gaming and social media is definitely i would say one of the most challenging besides actual enterprise right so um, mostly because both of them require tons of micro micro transaction, right? And yep. um, yeah, this can definitely congest uh, some chains or networks out there. Um, okay, so I know you're not a technical, also not that technical, right? You're in blockchain, so you have uh, regardless uh, really deep knowledge anyway. But do you? know or could share some key insights what they did actually different uh, at Aptos next to uh, let's say Solana or other chains um, I know that's a little bit hard because it's somewhat technical but maybe you have some key points that you could share here if not it's fine as well yeah I mean 
obviously the move programming language is something that just allows it to do fast and secure transactions. That's just something that I actually looked at before even working there. Um, there's more of like a pipeline and modular approach to how transaction processing happens. So it improves the actual efficiency of the hardware that somebody's using um, at the validator level and at the user level. It just, it works a little bit better. Most of our transactions right now, especially on the NFT side or in-game side, they're sub one second. So less than one second finality to the, to the chain. Um, which even if you just like go and test out moving the APT token back and forth between wallets, like it's almost instantaneous. Like you, you see it show up very quick. Um, you know, we use like a parallel execution engine and block STM. So programmers can do mm -hmm. like concurrent and like really complex transactions, like very simply. And then I think like, you know, the one thing that helps us look into the future is everything is basically built with the design principles of upgradability and configurability. So in the future, you don't have to go like how right now we see a lot of NFT projects in particular, like they reach a certain plateau, they have to migrate chains, they have to migrate all of their assets. Um, we kind of built things in a way where instead of doing hard forks and network upgrades, we can actually upgrade things at the application layer and that actually goes directly to the chain as well. So you're not going to be, we can upgrade the performance of the chain without having people have to constantly go back and, and move assets and go back and forth. So it'll be an ever changing kind of evolving chain as time goes on, which is, you know, we kind of view it like the internet. It's like the internet's been around forever and the things that people put on the internet have just been getting more and more complex and there's more and more data and it needs to go faster and faster. But the internet never actually shuts down in order to do that. There's just different upgradability features, hardware that comes out, et cetera. But the actual base layer of what the internet is and the protocol is, it never actually changes. So we kind of view the upgradability features like in that same way. And interesting, especially since most people uh, would argue ex especially that immutability aspect of blockchains is a huge thing, right? Because that creates trust and everything. So yeah, it's still it's still immutable. <laughs> uh, obviously, like it's still completely immutable. Things are written to block. And then validators every so often, we haven't mm -hmm. done it yet. We would say probably in in year length terms, they basically prune the old block data and move it to more of an archival data, which you can still search and you can still find everything but it's not actually living on their hardware data, slowing the actual processes down. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant kind of movement of the blocks to different, more archival settings. Yeah, yeah, uh, that definitely makes sense, right? Um, as far as I know, Ethereum does the same or aims to do the same at some point, right? Getting some data off, um, but I could be wrong here. Um, I think they are, I, it would make sense because they have yeah, they have insane amounts of data already, so they sh they should do that. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, um, as we all know, uh, the older the chain, the more difficult it is to introduce new changes, and especially when it comes to architecture, right? So that's definitely one thing. Um, well, I get it. Uh, scalability, TPS, like high speed transactions, definitely makes sense. And you said, um basically gaming and social media 
is that somewhat your focus on Aptos or w w what's the long-term vision? Like what kind, what, what market do we actually target? You know, I think for us, like we're really, and even myself, like, even though I'm not heavy on the engineering side, I would love to see people actually test what the chain can do. And that's been like a big problem is not a big problem, but you know, immediately when a chain is introduced, the first thing that people typically want to do is an NFT drop. And, you know, they do their 10,000 PFPs and we have some amazing NFT projects on Aptos for sure. And they're doing amazing. The thing is, you know, 10,000 NFTs for us is it'll, <laughs> that'll transact in less than a second. So that's not really testing the engineers and like the engineers and the tech team that we have, they're just really eager to see like how far people can actually push this. So that's why we want to see gaming. We want to see social. It's mainly our focus because we know that's where most of the people are. And if we can get a lot of people using the chain and we can see if there's any, you know, points of weakness or points where we need improvement, that's the only way we're going to be able to find out. Um, yeah. So that's why we're kind of focused on those is because that's where most of the, the consumers are. Yeah, definitely makes sense, especially in the early beginnings when you introduce a new product, in this case for blockchain, right? Um, you actually need those user tests, right? This actual battle testing on the field, right? Um, are there, or what are the plans to actually onboard these games or social media projects whatsoever? I think a lot of it will be with when we start talking more publicly about our RTPS ability, the low latency, the high throughput, I think people will start to understand it. I know in the gaming space, I know gamers typically don't like blockchain. There's a couple of reasons for that is a lot of the games they've been exposed to are just play to earn games, uh, play to earn games or like clicker games. Like they're just, uh, they're, they're really speculative. However, with like AAA gaming studios, there hasn't really been a blockchain that can handle that level of complexity and speed, which we can do. Um, another thing that we have the ability to do is, you know, multi-sig key rotation with like the wallets and where the wallet doesn't even, the wallet doesn't even appear when you log into a game. So another big thing is gamers will go to a game, they go to log into their wallet, type their password, you know, it's just another step they don't want to do. With ours, the wallet can be completely hidden behind the game. You log in, with username, password, or whatever you log in with. And we know gamers lose their password every five seconds anyway. Um, so, you know, you, <laughs> you, you just log in as normal. And then like we've, we've found ways to do composability between publishers. So if there's a major game publisher that has 15 titles, we now have a way, whether it's built on Unity or Unreal, we can basically put in-game portals and you can carry your NFTs across all of those published games if you want. Now it's up to the game publisher whether they want to make those usable in every game. But let's say if you just had your avatar as an NFT and you're on a, a published title and then you took it across to five other games that the same publishers built, you could use your same avatar in all those games. It's like not a problem. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just I think those are use cases where gamers will find it interesting and then they can actually own, buy and sell their assets as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's just getting the game companies to understand that there's newer technology out there now where they could at least start testing some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. 
um, I definitely can't, can imagine that from a user perspective, right? That you actually want to have that portability aspect. Um, I've talked with some projects and customers about that uh, in the past. And most of the time it leads to the conclusion that games don't really have much interest in actually having their uh, assets portable, right? Because everyone wants yeah. to create their own assets, especially if they sell it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think one of the, I think one of the one of the use cases that seemed a little bit easier was with um, skins and just the way that skins look. So if you had, you know, like a tiger stripe jacket in one of the games, maybe when you move over to, you know, Call of Duty or Ghost Recon, like something like that, instead of you actually wearing that same piece, you could actually have like that tiger stripe skin, but as a gun. So you would actually move the visual aspect of it, but not the actual like asset. So that comes with like obviously more composable assets and then you need more metadata as to how it relates to what pieces of the game. But it's just fun to kind of play around with that now you have the ability to move some of those things back and forth between different games. Yeah, you can just do some cool testing. It's still early, but it's fun to play around with. Uh, definitely. Um, what what you just said with uh, for sure changing the asset when porting it, right? Um, that definitely makes sense, and I think there's even no way around that, right? Because if you have a three D asset and you move over to, example, two D a two D game, uh, well, how is that supposed to work, right? Um, so that's definitely now less. A, I, I don't know. Maybe it's specific to Aptos, but. Are there, do you have some thoughts about how, let's say, games could be incentivized or the other publisher, maybe the other game publisher to provide the asset, the ported asset, you know, because the 3D asset needs to be in 2D as well, which is yep. work, right? Someone needs to provide that, how to provide incentives to do that, right? Do you have some thoughts about that or do you think it's, completely you know uh they will do that um for i don't know community building whatsoever i think like i think that's a good point on where creators can really be a part of that is i've always liked the model instead of like play to earn it's like create to earn so let other players create the assets have them go through whatever a night you know an easy approval process is to have those assets approved for the game and make those available and then they can be rewarded for those creations or even like you know, creating new levels of the game, creating new lands, creating new islands in the game. Like those are things that should be kind of controlled more by the user than the publisher. It kind of, I don't know. I think like having a publisher always dictate how the game's going to happen eventually. Like, I don't know. There's, they always have kind of a, a reason behind it. And a lot of times it's because they want to make more money. But I think if you mm -hmm. let creators kind of, handle that part of creating in-game assets they can come up with some really good ideas and um that's a good way to reward them for being a part of that ecosystem that's a really interesting approach uh for sure uh having these user created assets but also this uh user driven games right um yeah. that brings me to very interesting thoughts in the future but uh let's get back to aptos maybe a little bit I was sure. fun uh, shifting around. Um, 
So one question that still, let's say, interests me as well is in general, you're actually targeting big, big businesses, right? Asset games, social media. Um, are there some benefits specifically or reasons? Let's put it that way, because blockchain is still like, why should I use it for my business, which is obviously uh, not really, let's say, the job of uh, Aptos or anyone. Uh, it's basically a job of the business itself. Um, but are there some specific reasons why medium or smaller businesses could actually benefit from Aptos as well? Besides, for example, Polygon, if you can say that, you're a little bit biased here maybe, um, or these kind of things. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, first of all, just Aptos being a layer one is really helpful. A lot of the EVM compatible chains, layer twos, things of that nature, they're always going to rely on what Ethereum does in the future in order to be successful. And I think as long as, you know, the EVM compatible chains, Ethereum, do a lot of network forking, do a lot of network resets, um, introduce proposals like really late when the technology's already shifted. And what was the other thing I was going to mention? Um, they do have a low, a low throughput right now. And I think with, with gaming, even with, with Polygon, Polygon being a, a layer two, the kind of the mechanics of buying an in-game asset, having it show up in your wallet and show up on the Ethereum chain actually takes quite a while. And it's not as seamless as a lot of people would like. Um, and then just the Solidity programming language in which most of the smart contracts are built on, they're very difficult to scale. They're not very you know, malleable or changeable. Um, they don't really have like a lot of playgrounds and test nets and sandboxes where you can test out how good your smart contract is without an audit. I mean, you might release a smart contract and have things drained out of your wallet before you even know what happened. So like you want to be able to like test and change those things. You could do some testing on Ethereum for sure. Um, I think for small to medium businesses to think about Aptos, it's really... You might be a small to medium business today, but I doubt that that's where you want to be forever. So if you kind of start on a chain that has the ability to scale in the future, you won't have to worry about, you know, now I need, you know, 10, 20,000 TPS. Now I need a hundred thousand TPS. And then you're out like searching for a new chain and like, or you have to do these multi-chain, you know, concepts, which we're starting to see a lot of the NFT projects do. Um, you just, you don't have to worry about that. It's kind of like cloud scalability. Like if you want to have cloud storage, it's like, okay, do you want one gigabyte today? Or do you want like petabytes, terabytes? Like how, how big do you want to go? You can kind of scale up as you go. And you know, the use case is up to you. Yeah, uh, definitely makes sense. And it also makes sense. Uh, that brings me to the next point. Um, having a separate programming language. Right. And I'm sure you expected that at some point from a, a smart contract developer. Um, it's always a big, let's say, challenge for new blockchains or networks when they have uh, a new programming language for their own platform, right? for their own network. How do you actually try to tackle that? Because you need to educate new devs and onboard them, convince them to spend their time on that. Yeah, I mean, we 
we try to do a lot of hackathons. We try to do a lot of developer outreach. I think a lot of developers that start working with it see that it's really clean and easy to use. Um, we're also trying to, you know, create a lot of different SDKs for a lot of different use cases that developers can utilize and just bring right into what they're building. And then obviously now, like working with Morales, like we've got a lot of enterprise grade APIs that we're going to be putting out. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible. But yes, having that developer community pick up the language, understand it and understand, you know, that there's there's scalable use cases and you can do it pretty easily, um, I think is you know, something that we're working through right now. And we've got a lot of people learning it. And I think a lot of people, a lot of more people will learn it in the future. I think that's actually one of the bigger, I would say risks with Solidity is there's a lot of information out there on smart contracts. And you see a lot of, you see a lot of copy and paste smart contracts. That's true. That people just kind of, it's like, oh, this NFT project did that, copy paste. Okay, now I have an NFT project it's like it gets a little old after a while so you know it's a little bit harder to do that in in move and rust uh, 100 um that the only thing uh that could be or that that let's say this forking copycatting uh actually has some is is good actually for uh, is actually good for is it's battle tested right if you have an nft collection that actually handled hundreds yeah. to thousands of transactions you at least know, well, it's not very likely that it's going to be hacked, right? That's um, just make just make sure you change the wallet addresses so someone else isn't getting paid for all your work. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that would be a good idea. <laughs> I've seen somebody I've seen somebody directly copy and paste the smart no. contract, okay. launched the program, and then every NFT they sold ended up going to the other person's wallet. <laughs> That's painful. Well, um, shit happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, yeah, you only do that mistake one time. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, hey, um, awesome, Charles. Um, thank you. I learned personally a lot. Um, thank you for spending the time with me today. Do you maybe have three key takeaways or three call to actions for people uh, listening to this session? Yeah, I mean, you know, just what a lot of people need to do is kind of what I just posted on LinkedIn. I don't know when you're going to air this, but it's you know, pick your head up and kind of look around at some of the new technologies that are out there. Um, a lot of people are still doing Ethereum Solidity just basically because that's what they know. But kind of take the time and see what other chains are out there, what other languages are out there. Um, you can learn a lot by following Aptos on Twitter. You can follow me on LinkedIn. And I think just, you know, start thinking about how large you want to scale things and how many people you want to see implement blockchain. And there's actually ways that you can, um, those solutions do exist already. So yeah, just do a little bit of research, I think is the best thing to do. Awesome. Yeah, cool. And yeah, feel free to send me the links. I will drop it into the uh, video description. Yeah. And yeah, thank you again awesome. for being here and for listening. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Cool. Wave Act. The web-free software company that understands what you want.